Well, good morning, church. We are continuing in our series, Who Am I? And we're wrestling with that very question. How do I understand who I am? And the truth that we're resting in is that who I am is rooted in the call to follow Jesus. So through each week, we've been looking at a specific question. We started this series uh, wrestling with the question, how do I understand personhood? What it means to be a human. And our pastor to families, Greg Meek, uh, walked us through Genesis chapter 2, reminding us that we're created in God's image and we're created with dignity and we're created with destiny. The next week, we asked the question, well, if I'm created in God's image, then what does it look like for me to relate to God? And we realize that when I come to God by faith in Jesus, God says to you and to me that you belong to me. You are my son. You are my daughter. Now, if we're all created in God's image, that begs the question, well, how do I relate to other people? And so last week, we wrestled with that and we discovered that God creates us to be servants. To trust him with the worth and the value of our lives and just to in that trust to serve others willingly. And today, the question we're going to wrestle with is, how do I live that specific call to be a servant out in my life and in my context? What is the calling that God has on me? What does it mean to have a calling? I think about when I was growing up, I had these big dreams about who I would be and what I would become. Maybe you remember that as well. For a while, I thought, well, I'm going to be a fireman. Uh, For a while, I wanted to be uh, an astronaut. Uh, For a while, I wanted to be a professional athlete. And I quickly realized that was not going to happen for me. And so I wanted to be a doctor. But it wasn't until I got to college that I realized that maybe, just maybe, this God who loves me, who sent his son to die for me, to save me, to invite me into life with him, maybe this God has an idea about who I'm supposed to be. Uh, Maybe God has a purpose for my life, a calling on me. Now, when we talk about this word calling, it's a word that you hear a lot in the church. What we're talking about is the reality that God has a design and a purpose for my life to be specifically lived out based on the way I'm created, my personality and the things that he's given me and the experiences of life that my heart and mind and attitude are perfectly calibrated to love God and love other people in the way that God's created me to do, that there are no accidents, there are no mess-ups in the way that God has created us. And we get to have an opportunity every single day to say, yes to Jesus, I want to live out this calling. Now, sometimes for some of us, it is directly related to our job. That we can see that the job I have is given to me by God to live out his calling. For some of us, our job is just an opportunity to live out the calling that God has for us. For some of us, maybe it's beyond our job. That it's greater than our job. And we, we look for opportunities all around us to live out that calling. But the truth is that we all have a calling. That God does have a purpose for my life and for your life. And he is orchestrating opportunity for us to live it out. Now Jesus talked about this often. This call to follow him. This call to give all that we have 
to God, this call to trust him by faith and let God be Lord of our lives and the understanding that God has a purpose for us. Now, one of the places where Jesus talked about that was a parable. Now, a parable was a story that had a truth that was bigger than just the story itself. And one of the parables that Jesus taught was the parable of the servants. And Jesus begins this parable in Matthew 25, and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like, meaning the story that he's about to tell is a story that explains to us what it looks like to live under the reign and the power and the purposes of God through Jesus. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a master who is going away. Now, just give you a quick heads up. This master that's going away, he's talking about is Jesus himself. That Jesus, he knows that he's going to give his life as a ransom for our sin. He's going to be resurrected. He's going to return to heaven. And he's going away for a season. But Jesus is going to be coming back. And so this parable that he's telling is about our relationship to Jesus. And how we serve him in the meantime until he comes back. And he says the master is going away. And he gave some resources to his servants. As a matter of fact, he calls three of his servants to him and he entrusts with them some money. And he gives to the first servant five bags. And he says, I'm going to trust you with this. I want you to do something with it until I return. To the second servant, he gave two bags. And to the third servant, he gave one bag. In the story Jesus tells, the first servant comes back and he says, what did you do with the five bags that I gave you? And he says, I invested it, Lord, and here are five more bags to go with it. And the master says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've done, been, been faithful with a little and I'm going to give you a lot. The second servant comes back with his two bags. He says, what did you do with it? And he says, I made two more and they belong to you. Here you go. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. I will give you a lot. The third servant comes and he says, what did you do with the bag that I gave you? And he said, I was afraid because I knew that you were a harsh master and, and I didn't want to lose it. So I just buried it in the ground and, and here it is back. And the master doesn't say, well, thank you for taking care of it until I came back. He says, no, you wicked servant. You could have at least put it in the bank and had interest to give. And yet because of fear, you were unwilling to invest what I gave you that didn't belong to you to make more for me. And because of that, you will be cast out into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus is saying, as he started this parable, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. That Jesus is going away, he's going to come back, he's given us something in the meantime, and he expects a return on what he's given us. Not just to hold on to it ourselves, but to do something with it. Now the verse that I want to key in on to really dive into what Jesus is saying to us is the first verse of this parable. It's Matthew 25, verse 14. Let's take a look. Jesus says, again... It will be like a man going on a journey. This is Jesus himself. He's gone to heaven. He's going to come back. He's going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. In a nutshell, this is what Jesus is saying to us. That he calls us, his servants, to be entrusted with everything he's given us. And I want to look at each of these three words and prayerfully explore what God might have for us today. 
that we're called, that we are servants, that we're entrusted. So what does this mean for us? All right. You and I are called by God. The first part of this, he says that we are called. And by that, we can understand that we are appointed with purpose. We are appointed with purpose. The word called in verse 14 is the word echolason. And it comes from the word, the Greek word kaleo, which means called. Now this word echolason can mean an invitation. It can mean, as it seems obvious in verse 14, a summoning. The master was summoning those servants to come to him. But more pointedly, the word means to be appointed or to be designated. Some other words from this word kaleo that we find in Scripture. Uh, the word kletos, which means called. Uh, the word ekklesia, which means church. Uh, the word uh, ekletos, which means a calling. The word parakaleo, to exhort or to encourage. Or the word parakletos, meaning advocate, which is the word the Gospel of John uses when describing the Holy Spirit. Now what we need to understand about each of these, church, calling, exhortation, the Spirit, are all parts of a purpose, a designated, appointed purpose in life. The church doesn't get to decide what we want to be. The moment we fail to be who God's called us to be, we cease to be the church. It is in the calling, in the purpose, in the designation, in the appointment that we understand who we are. And when Jesus calls out to us, it is not just an invitation of, well, come if you want to. It's more of a, this is what you are appointed to, designated to, that when you cease to live this out, you cease to be who you're created to be. This is the kind of calling that God has on us, that everything about us, again, is calibrated to love God, to love others, to make him known. And the question is, am I willing to step into that ecclesion, that appointment with purpose? And he says that the calling that he has on us is not just to anybody, just this generic kind, but it is a calling specifically to servants. And so what Jesus would say to us is that we are to be surrendered to God. Surrendered to God. The word servants in verse 14 is the word doulos. And it translates as a servant or a slave. And a doulos in the first century was always somebody that had become a servant or a slave because they were defeated in battle or they were indebted with a debt that they could not repay. And this was something that was forced upon you, not something that you willingly stepped into, but something really interesting happened in the first century after Jesus came, died, and rose again. Is that there were these peculiar people called Christians who followed what they called the way, who on their own accord, willingly, People like Paul, as he's writing in his letters, willingly said, I am a doulos, a slave of God. 
What they were saying as they said that was, I will willingly surrender to God, not just as Savior, but as Lord and King over my life. I don't get to call the shots. As a matter of fact, I don't want to call the shots. I would rather be a slave to him who is creator and redeemer and savior. I also want him to be Lord of my life. But here's the thing, when God calls us, when he says, I've got a purpose for you, you're appointed with purpose, something I want to live out in your life to make much of God and to love other people. Most of the time, our first response is not, yay. No, our first response is, um, I'm not so sure about that, God. And we tend to respond not with faith, but with fear. I think about the old cliche. You know, we, we say yes to Jesus and we have this deep fear that God's going to call us to go to Africa. Right? Like, just don't send me to Africa. I can think about when I followed, started following Jesus uh, late in my high school uh, years and I was uh, excited about what Jesus was doing in my life. And then I got into college and I began to realize God had a calling on my life. I remember specifically saying to God multiple times, God, I will do anything for you except pastor a church. Because I, I knew what God was calling in me, but I, I was leaning into fear, not faith. But here's what I've discovered for your life and for mine is that when we're willing to surrender to the calling that God has on us and say yes to him, it actually aligns with the longing and desires of my heart rather than competing with it. What many of us have discovered is that we, we try to do life our own way. Like, God, I don't like that idea. I'm going to go pursue this idea. I want to have money and I want to have power and I want to have influence and I want to have comfort and I want to do this my way, God. Many of the times we experience a tension and a struggle within us that, that God, something is not right. Well, guess what? God had a plan for you and you said no to it. And when we say yes to the plan that God has for us, we will discover that it is actually aligned with what our heart is looking for. But we've got to be able to have faith and take a step of risk. Because here's what I've discovered in life. Is that we will never experience anything great in life that does not come on the other side of a risk. You want to experience greatness in life, the greatness of God? Take the risk to step out in faith and trust him. And when we do that, God will do some amazing, amazing things in our life. And he will do more than just take what we've given or what he's given. He will multiply it. And that comes to the, the last truth. Jesus said he calls his servants and he entrusted to them. And Jesus comes to us and we're expected to invest. We're expected to invest. That word entrusted in verse 14 is the Greek word paradokin. And that word literally translates as to hand over or to deliver. And here's what that means for us. God steps into your world and mine. He gave his son that we could be free from sin and free for life with him. He has an eternal home for us, heaven and then the new heaven and new earth, and we have the hope of resurrection. And we're to do life with him. But in the meantime, as we're filled with the spirit, God comes into our lives and he literally, he hands over all the resources of your life. That means that he hands it over and his hands are off. 
Now, he's working in our lives. He does miracles. He leads, guides. He does things that only he can do. But with the resources he gives, he delivers it to us. And he says, you do with this what you will. Now, the calling is still there. We're still appointed with purpose. God is still working in our lives. But we have a choice to make of whether or not we'll say yes to that. Because God is not controlling our every thought, our every action. He hands it over and he gives an invitation. And that's what the master did with the servants. He handed it over. He delivered it to them. And then he left for a season. And he says, you are entrusted with this. What are you going to do with it? And that's what God does in our lives. He's entrusted with us some resources. But here's the key. Is that Jesus is coming back and he's expecting a return on that investment. Not just what he gave us, but more. So God comes into our lives and he pursues us with his love. He moves toward us and brings us into him. And by faith in Christ, we can be saved. And then he joins with our lives by the power of his Holy Spirit. He fills us with faith and hope and love. And he moves in miraculous ways. So many things that God is putting into our lives, but God wants a return on that. He wants us to take and invest in other people and make him known. Introduce other people to the love and the goodness and the power of God. And when we do that, the Spirit takes over and does what only the Spirit can do and grows that. Like an investment would. We invest our money in stocks or in real estate or whatever it might be because we want it to grow, not just stay stagnant. And so the question arises for us, what am I investing in? If I'm going to join with God, what that requires of me is to become aware of and to evaluate the resources that God has placed in my life. Am I pursuing the calling that God has on me? So I'm going to put a pie chart up on the screen. And this pie chart represents our lives. This represents all the aspects of who we are, and through this, I want us to reflect on, am I aware, am I evaluating all the things God has given me and directing it toward his purpose for my life? So one of the things that every one of us have, we all have time. And we are called to embrace healthy rhythms of life in, our, in the way we use our time. So we need to first, we need to build a foundation of rest. We don't rest from work, we work out of our rest. We rest in God and we, we rest our lives and our, our hope is in Him. And out of that rest, we work. We need to have responsibilities that we're faithful to. We need to invest in relationships with our time. We need to have recreation with our time. There's a reason that God made the world beautiful and food to taste good and music to sound good. Because he wants to, us to enjoy it and we need that to be a part of the time that we utilize. But are we using all of those things, rest and responsibilities and relationships and recreation? Is it geared toward love of God and love of people that I could live out my purpose? Or is it geared toward serving me? So let's use our time to point to God. Another thing all of us have is we all have money. And God is calling us to invest financially into his kingdom, starting with the tithe, the 10%, offering up offerings beyond the tithe. And just, Lord, I want you to develop in me a generous heart to be a blessing to others. And one of the foundational scriptures that, that 
opens up the way to the gospel, Genesis 12, when God said to Abram, I will bless you so that you'll be a blessing. Lord, I want that to be the attitude that I embrace, that you're blessing me so I can be a blessing. Give me a generous heart. And I start with these first two because these are so very telling. Look at your calendar and your bank account and it will tell you where the priorities are of our lives. So are we aware of, are we evaluating and embracing God's purpose with our time or money? But it's not just those two. We also have relationships. And every relationship we have can be rooted in the purpose that God has for you. And it's in one of two ways. Sometimes God will bring a relationship into our world so that we can invest in them and point them toward the love of God. It might be a, a coworker or a family member or a neighbor or somebody you see in the community. And God is saying, I brought this person to you because I want you to point them to me. But sometimes it's the reverse. Sometimes God says, I'm bringing this person into your life because they have something to share with you. They have a way to encourage you, a lesson to teach you that they're gonna point you to me. Would you pay attention? because I have something for you through this person. Uh, maybe it's also our experiences. Here's the thing I know about God, is that God wastes nothing. And every experience in our life is intended to point us to the purpose of God. There are gonna be some incredible things that happen in our lives and God wants to use that to draw us to him through his blessings. There's gonna be some heartache and some difficulty, but God, though he doesn't cause pain, he doesn't cause evil, he restores and redeems all of it and he wants to use that to draw us into him. And every experience we have will either be pushing us or teaching us or guiding us if we let God work in them to pull us toward his purpose. What experiences do you have? I mean, time and time and time again, I, I've been able to walk with somebody uh, years after a tragic event or an illness or a sickness or a loss in their life, and they get to a point where God brings somebody to them and they realize God wants to use that experience that I had to be a minister to somebody else. Will we let him do that? So time, money, relationships, experiences, and talents. We've got some incredible talents in this church, musical talents, uh, leadership talents, financial talents, uh, athletic talents, all kinds of these things that we've been able to hone a skill in our lives that can be enjoyable to us, but will be a fulfillment to us when we use it for God's kingdom. These are the things that, that may be not natural, but, but we've worked on them and we've, we've honed those skills and we've developed them and we've perfected it. And are we using those talents that we have to lift up others and to bring glory to God? And then finally, our spiritual gifts. That when we say yes to Jesus, that I'm trusting you by faith to save me from sin for life. I want to follow you. God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens with the Holy Spirit comes a spiritual gift that is intended to build up the church, the body of Christ. Things like teaching, preaching, faith, uh, generosity, leadership, these gifts that are given to us, mapped out in 1 Corinthians and Romans and Ephesians, that are meant to gear us toward God's kingdom work. And my question is, I wonder how many of us have ever even thought about it, much less are aware of it, much less are using our spiritual gifts to point us and join with God in his purpose for us. 
And as we map this out, we get a, a holistic view of all the things that God has entrusted to us. And are we aware, are we evaluating, are we using all of these, all six of them, to step into our purpose at our job, at our home, in our neighborhood, in every place where we find ourselves, all six of these are to be geared toward the purpose of God. And what we'll discover is they don't compete with my heart, but they align with the true longing and desires of my heart. I love it when people get that aha moment and they realize they've been struggling because they're competing with God rather than in step with Him. Let's get in step with God. What I would love more than anything is for every single one of us to discover the unique calling and purpose God's placed on your life. And to do that, to that end, we often ask three questions here at Getwell Church to try to wrestle with that calling. The first question that we lift up so often is, what breaks your heart? What is it that, that makes your heart beat fast? What is that, that statement where you say, you know what, somebody ought to do something about that? And what I discover so much of the time is when we say somebody ought to do something about that, that's God voice to us saying, you ought to do something about that. What, what raises your blood pressure in a good way that you get excited about something? God has placed that on your heart for a purpose. See, what the world desperately needs is not more people who will be responsible to their duties, but will live with the passion that God's placed on their heart. Or living with passion, what breaks your heart? The second question to ask is, what do you have to work with? That's the pie chart we just worked through, those six things. What has God entrusted to you, placed in your hands? He's delivered it, he's handed it over, and he's wondering, what are you gonna do with it? And then the third question that we ask, what are the needs around me? What are the heartbreaks? What are the, the longings? What are the, the needs that people can't fulfill on their own? What are the life lessons? What's the encouragement that somebody or some people around me need? And when I find the intersection of those three questions, what breaks my heart? What do I have to work with? What are the needs around me? I begin to discover the purpose that God has for me. That may be at my job, my job may be an opportunity or it may be bigger than my job. And when I step into that purpose, I begin to experience a congruence with who God created me to be. Who am I? I'm a child of God, created to be a servant because He's got me. And there's a specific way He's created me and calibrated my heart and mind and attitude to do that. And I wanna step in line with Him. When we say yes to Jesus in this way, it is always the best thing. It's best for us because in it we find the fulfillment that we're looking for. And it's best in others, for others, because God has placed us in this world to be a blessing to others. That we become an avenue of the love and the power and the truth of God. What an amazing, amazing thing to step into that adventure with Him. So here's my question. I know that God is calling out to every single one of us. That echolation that appointment is there. What needs to be your yes? Where do you need to say yes to him? Where do you need to go all in with him? Where do you need to say, Lord, I want to be your servant? God, where do you want to step into to my world, Lord? And, and what have you entrusted with me? I want to I be faithful to that. 
I want to get to the end of this life and I want to hear Jesus say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. I will give you a lot. So if you'll stand, we're going to close out with one more song. We're going to sing the words together that he is worthy. Isn't that true? The Lord is worthy. And he's worthy of more than just our singing, our presence here. He is worthy of our lives. And everything that he's entrusted to us, let's remember, it ultimately belongs to him. And he's worthy of us to pour that back to him, to invest it for a multiplication to happen. Trusting him to do the work that he can only do, but I've got to be available and faithful. And so as we close out, these altar areas are going to be open for you to come and kneel and pray. As you reflect on, Lord, what does my yes need to be to you? I'm listening. I'm all ears. Lord, give me ears to hear what you're inviting me to. and Give me courage to say yes. I want to step through the fear because I know, Lord, that great things happen on the other side of a risk where I say yes to you. Will you say yes to him today? Let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you. God, thank you for your mercy and kindness and goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you invite us to be a part of what you're doing. God, thank you that you have a purpose for our lives. It's so much bigger than us. God, thank you that when we step out in faith that you are there to catch us, to embrace us. Thank you for the, your, your salvation that comes only by faith in Christ. I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody here who does not know you, they might know all about you. But if they don't know you, Lord, I pray that they would say yes to you and, and surrender to you to receive salvation today, to be set free from sin and for life. And for all those, Lord, who have said that yes, I pray that they'll be willing to say the next yes. Maybe they've been struggling because they've been trying to, to pursue their own path. I pray that they would step in line with you and experience the fulfillment and peace and joy that comes in that yes. To say, Lord, whatever you created me for, I want to say yes to that. So give us clarity around that, Lord. Speak clearly about what you want us to do next. And give us faith to say yes to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.